Your source for community, Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is Touching the Past with your host, Trisha Markle. Hello, my name's Trisha Markle, and welcome to Touching the Past, where we explore the heritage of Huntsville and area, its past, and not-too-distant past. This program looks at the musical history of Huntsville, primarily the Tannery Band. Music, as it does today, played a great part in the lives of early settlers. After all, this was one of the few entertainments available in the early days. Information from Sarah at Muskoka Heritage Place mentions it was known that James Darling played the fiddle for neighbours where they would come to dance in his kitchen. In the Hare's house, the family would gather around to listen to the organ being played while other family members or visitors played harmonica or any other instrument they had. The history of both the Darling House and the Hare's House, as well as the actual buildings, can be found at Muskoka Heritage Place. More so than today, the town band was an important group in every community. From part of a parade, a civic function, a memorial service or a concert in the park, it was an important part of community life. The first band formed was in 1881 by a tailor, J.W. Ecclestone, who brought in F.W. Holland as conductor. It was in a letter to the forester that Mr. Holland told of his work with the band. Quote, I practiced them every night for about two weeks, at the end of which we accompanied an excursion to Port Sydney and made a bluff providing music, this he has written in quotations, for a tea meeting in the church there. It may well be imagined that our repertoire was crude and scanty, but the audience was not critical, and we put it over in some way. End quote. Members of this band, shown in a picture from Muskoka Heritage Place, shows George Hunt, William Lunt, David Gilchrist, William Hunt, E.J. Ecclestone, W. Ecclestone, Thomas Gilchrist, Oscar Wheeler, and R. McKinney, all well-known names from town at the time. The 1894 fire that almost destroyed Huntsville also caused the loss of instruments for the band. The summer following the fire, the band was granted $50 by the council to replace their instruments and regroup. In 1899, the brass band must have improved since its original outing to Port Sydney, as they now gave weekly concerts in the summer months at the new band shelter. This octagonal wooden bandstand had been erected at the corner of Main and Centre Streets, primarily for their use. Special outings during this time were to the church picnic, still very formal affairs, with ladies in their finest gowns and gentlemen in blazers and straw boaters. And likely or not, the band would play at most of these outdoor events. At various times in the latter part of the 1800s and into the new century, there were other bands, the Salvation Army, always famous for its rousing music, had bands, and there were the Boyd's Cornet Band that also gave weekly concerts and were allowed the use of the band shell, and of course several Loyal Order bands. It appears the brass band morphed into the Citizens Band. This band was funded by the town and was supplied with practice space and also an area to store their instruments. It's around 1900 that we hear of a Mr. R.B. Sylvester as the band leader for the Citizens Band. Richard Boyd Sylvester was born in Durham County in 1854. 
He lived in Fenland Falls, where he met and married Hannah. He, his wife, and their then three children moved to Huntsville in 1899, when he purchased the photography business from William Percy. His fourth child, Addie, was born here. As well as photography and photographic equipment, he sold organs, pianos, sheet music, various musical instruments, as well as phonographs and records. This was a perfect lead-in to his position with the Citizens Band. The first mention of his connection to the band is in 1901. It was during his tenure as band leader that the old band shelter was pulled down and a new octagonal, also octagonal, band stand was erected on Susan Street. The old wood was used as fuel in the fire hall. The new band shelter was centrally situated on a generous piece of property on Susan Street, which allowed plenty of room for, apparently, the hundreds that turned up for their concerts. The octagonal roof was supported by eight concrete columns situated on a concrete foundation. It was constructed with a full basement, which in later years was a storage for the tannery. Longtime tannery worker and band member John Passando purchased the band shell from the Anglo-Canadian Leather Company in 1955 and converted it into a house. Over the years, the building has changed hands many times. At some point, a veranda has been added, but is still occupied as a residence. In 1914, another band emerged called the Italian Band. Apparently, the Italian Band, the Citizens Band and the Salvation Army Band all joined together to give a rousing send-off to a group of soldiers heading off to war. The Italian Band came about due to a thriving number of Italians now living in Huntsville and working at the Anglo-Canadian Leather Company. Many of the Italian immigrants had been recruited by C.O. Shaw direct from the village of Miana de Souza, a centre of leatherwork. The village sits in the Souza Valley, 50 kilometres west of Turin. There's still a leather footwear factory there today. There are various stories concerning the emergence of the tannery band. One is that Vincent Grosso, who was a very competent cornet player, taught other workers a few basics of music as recreation after a hard day of work. Gradually, these young men improved and their outdoor rehearsals soon attracted an audience, which included C.O. Shaw. Another, more fanciful tale is that Vincent Grosso decided one Christmas to have these musicians serenade C.O. Shaw, a lover of music himself. He was so impressed he put together the Anglo-Canadian Leather Company Band. Another story is that these musicians had received permission to practice in a vacant garage and one night C.O. Shaw marched in with his cornet to join them. Whatever the story, Shaw's interest grew, and he became much more involved in improving this group of musicians. He claimed that the formation of the band was to give the men, as he put it, a useful pastime. C.O. Shaw supplied the band with instruments and sheet music. Shaw, in his youth, had been a cornet player, and the emergence of the band gave him the incentive to take up the instrument again. He became a regular at the band's practice. Gordon Sinclair, famous Toronto Star columnist, said of him in later years that at age 63, C.O. could play a cornet exercise which required a steady flow of notes in one breath for 75 seconds. Charles Orlando Shaw's name pops up frequently in the history of Huntsville. C.O., as he was commonly known, arrived in town in the fall of 1898 from Sheboygan, Michigan at the request of his cousin W. Sutherland Shaw, owner of the Huntsville and Bracebridge Tanneries. 
His cousin asked Theo to manage these two operations. It appears this man with the larger-than-life personality really stirred things up in town. He initiated strict work rules at the tannery. The workers, not accustomed to his standards, complained to him that the work was so difficult they were, quote, almost unable to walk home. Falling on deaf ears, the men walked out. The first strike at the tannery. CO promised to bring in other workers, and the men were eventually forced to go back to work. This situation took the Reeve and all the religious men in town to settle things down. In 1905, the tanneries in Huntsville and Bracebridge were reorganized to become the Anglo-Canadian Leather Company and one of the largest producers of sole leather in the world, with CO as the president. In 1915, CO purchased the now, no longer used, old public school building and revamped it to form a club for house for the band. They were also renamed the Anglo-Canadian Leather Company Band, giving frequent concerts under the direction of George Simmons, reputed to be the finest conductor in Muskoka. Shaw had wooed Simmons away from the Bracebridge Citizens Band to take over the Huntsville Leather Company Band. For three years, George Simmons taught and directed the growing Anglo-Canadian band. Shaw recruited men to his factory if they were gifted in music, providing them with jobs, but also allowing two hours paid time off a day to practice. Shaw was serious about his band, and as pride in it grew, he purchased uniforms for the members. They were khaki with red on the cap and cuffs. Soon musicians were lining up for tryouts, not just locally, but from quite far away. E.A. Wall, a clarinetist with the world-famous John Philip Sousa Band, arrived in Huntsville to instruct the reed section of the orchestra. His two sons were also clarinet players, and the eldest son, Edmund, was appointed solo clarinetist in the band. The little band had now grown to 50 members. During 1914-18, some of the young members of the Italian band returned to Italy to join the armed forces. Others had moved to southern Ontario for the lucrative jobs in the growing auto industry. However, an original Italian group of tannery workers remained active with the Anglo band, names so familiar in Huntsville. Grosso, Boli, Passandro, Bernardo and Terziano. Others from town, also with familiar names, the Horton brothers from the dairy. Russ Hearn Hardware, Fetterly, Brownie Thompson and Stan Kendrick, also known for his baseball skills. These were all young men when they joined and continued to grow with the band. In 1918, H.L. Clark assumed leadership, but George remained as his assistant for a few years. Later, George Simmons returned to the Bracebridge Band and eventually moved to Windsor. Apparently, C.O. Shaw, Shaw came to choose H.L. Clark by listening to recordings of his favourite cornet pieces on his gramophone. He finally picked H.L. Clark which was pretty nervy, as Clark was a world-famous cornet player in the John Philip Sousa Band, but somehow persuaded him to leave city life for Huntsville, a small northern lumber town of less than 2,000. We'll now take a short break and return to touching the past shortly. By Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. This is Touching the Past with your host, Trisha Markle. Welcome back to Touching the Past. Today I'm talking about some of the bands of the past, primarily the Anglo-Canadian Leather Band. 
Herbert Lincoln Clark was born in Woburn, Massachusetts in 1867 and had moved to Toronto with his brothers and parents in 1880, where his father was choirmaster at Jarvis Street Baptist Church. He taught himself to play the cornet and formed a small orchestra that played at church socials. He learned to play the violin and viola. At 14, he travelled to Minneapolis as part of a band, returning to Toronto in 1888. He conducted several works bands and became an instructor at the Toronto College of Music. From 1893 until 1917, he was with the Sousa Band. It was as his contract with the Sousa Band finished that C.O. Shaw invited him to Huntsville to hear the Anglo-Canadian Leather Band. When he was, quote, agreeably surprised at what I have heard tonight, I had no idea that I should find up here a musical organisation entitled to the credit which is earned by the selections already played. It makes me feel the atmosphere of Chicago and New York and occasions me great delight, end quote. The following week in March 1918, Clark signed a contract to become leader of C.O. Shaw's band. In the book, The Band That Grew and Grew by Ed Terziana, he has a letter that H. Clark sent to the Cincinnati Journal, a widely circulated musical magazine read by musicians worldwide. In it, he writes of how Shaw supported his band and the conditions he made to attract some of the best musicians. Housing is provided free of charge. Shaw has, had purchased the Forest Home on Minerva Street, had it completely renovated for Clark and his family, and renamed it Harmony House. It is still part of our heritage. The musicians who were hired for the band were all given positions at the tannery, and it appears they were quite happy working but they were always allowed sufficient rehearsal time. Clark notes that a store was provided for employees only, where they could purchase coal and all food at cost. He also mentions that there were excellent schools around. Notes from the Mail and Empire newspaper Toronto reports that for H.L. Clark, Huntsville is a music utopia, where, quote, money is no object either as to cost or revenue, the band belongs to the American Federations of Musicians mainly as a matter of form and for convenience in playing at such towns as may be controlled musically by unions. The players are not paid and the band has no professional revenue, end quote. The whole enterprise was covered by C.O. Shaw. Rehearsals were two evenings a week and only a doctor's certificate warranted absence. Paid time was given daily for instruction and music drills by the professional instructors hired by Shaw. The large rehearsal hall was open to the public to help musicians relax by getting used to having people around when playing to audiences. Six months after H. Clark took over, the band was invited to play at the Canadian Exhibition in Toronto. The Forrester reports, quotes, The series of concerts given on the main band stage at the exhibition were more than a success. They were a great triumph for Herbert J. Clark, end quote. The performances were sold out. For one night, extra chairs were provided for the overflow. But the last night, hundreds stood around throughout the performance and every Toronto newspaper prayed the musical abilities. From 1918 to 1926, the Anglo-Canadian Company Leather Band became the featured band at the CNE. Each visit an overwhelming success, equal to having a number one hit today. The band was affiliated with CFCA, the Stars radio station, since its 
inauguration in 1923, first with broadcasts of the band's appearance at the CNE. They were so popular that a series of monthly concerts were picked up from the band hall in Huntsville and carried by telephone to the station in Toronto. Sunday night with commentator Foster Hewitt, who would catch the train after commentating the Saturday night hockey for the Maple Leafs to be the host for some of these concerts. They received so much acclaim that special care was taken in the placement of the musicians so the best sound would be heard. These broadcasts were out, went out continent-wide and quite often received more listeners than the New York Symphony broadcasts. One report of one particular concert was that the weather was particularly bad and various stations such as WBZ Boston, WGBS Chicago, WIOB Miami, among others, suffered heavy static. The two strongest distance stations were KFI Los Angeles and KO Denver. Although the static was heavy, parts heard were excellent. The Anglo-Canadian band was part of what was known as the era of concert bands. The rise of the expositions in America that were dedicated to the performing arts as well as industry and education was where concert bands came into prominence. The best known of these was, of course, John Philip Sousa. The only Canadian band to be in demand for the U.S. engagements was the Huntsville Band, and also the only band to play the CNE seven times in a row. In 1923, Herbert Clark offered his resignation, deciding to move to California. The news hit the town hard. He was replaced by Frank E. Wellsman, who had been a director for the Toronto Symphony. The band continued for another three years, but by the end of that time it was as if C.O. Shaw had lost heart and his enthusiasm. It was announced in the Forester, after what turned out to be their final concert, the CNE, that the band would be disbanded. No amount of pleading would change C.O.'s mind. He insisted he had taken the band as far as it would go, and he insisted more of his time was needed to devote to business. The Anglo-Canadian Leather Company Band had certainly put Huntsville on the map. They had become known across the whole of North America. A band member is quoted as saying about the band, We played opposite some of the best bands in the world at various times and always held our own. End quote. Part of C.O. Shaw's announcement reads, I have not come to this decision on account of dissatisfaction, but solely for the reason I do not feel I can any longer devote the time, energy and patience to the undertaking that is necessary. I should devote to it in order to keep up its present standard. The announcement was carried in all the major Canadian newspapers. Frank Wellsman returned to Toronto to teach at the School of Music. Alfred Willis, a foreman at the tannery, continued in town with music, teaching young players through the 30s and 40s. J. Frank Kelly became part of Huntsville history, becoming mayor and later MPP. Frank Sullivan stayed with music, touring with the Sousa Band, also as a member of the Toronto Symphony, and soloist performing at the Big Win Inn during the 30s and 40s, just mentioning a few names of the band members. Many continued on with their musical careers, most being hired by other successful bands, others becoming music directors in other towns. When the band disbanded, there were 70 members, and it would have been great expense to continue operation. Perhaps businessman Shaw had an inkling of what was to happen in three years in 1929, or so in the financial world. 
Some recordings of the band may still be heard at Muskoka Heritage Place. Still connected to CO Shore, many of the local band members continued to play music under the name of the Big Wind Minstrels. In a captioned photograph in the, the book The Little Town Band, many of the names mentioned played in the Tannery Band. C.O. Shaw continued to run the tannery until his death in January 1943. November 24, 1985, the best available musicians in the area presented a tribute to the Anglo-Canadian band concert, reported in the Forester as a great success. A cassette tape was professionally produced together with a souvenir booklet in honour of Huntsville's centenary. The lead in all this was Ed Terziano, whose love of the Anglo-Canadian band and its history was well known. Under the direction of John Hall and Dr. Lynn Sargent, the musicians thrilled the audience, and who knows, may have rivaled that of the leather band. Paul Brody, an original band member, also made an appearance. The music played <coughs> would have been typical of an Anglo-Canadian leather band concert, starting with a march on the mall. The overture was The Merry Wives of Windsor, followed by variations on Rocked in the Cradle of the Deep, then Songs of Wales, followed by Ragtime Follies. The second half of the show offered operatic music as well as Carnival of Venice, exactly as H.L. Clarke arranged it. The show ended with a montage of popular songs of the 20s. The Muskoka Community Band was formed in 1959 and continues to play throughout Muskoka. A special concert was performed at the Algonquin Theatre in the summer of 2018 called Brilliance. Under conductor Neil Barlow, who appeared <clears throat> as one of the actual in one of the actual uniforms, the Muskoka band was joined by esteemed soloists and musicians to recreate the music of the Anglo-Canadian Leather Company band. There were two sold-out performances, showing that the Tannery Band still holds the heart of Huntsville. Huntsville had a history of producing great musicians from every genre throughout the years. Just follow the programming for the Huntsville Festival of the Arts or listen to this radio station, Hunters Bay 88.7, to hear many of our talented local performers. Join me on Hunters Bay Radio 88.7 for the next Touching the Past, where we'll explore more local heritage. (laughs) 